Well, hey there, and welcome to the Green Divas Radio Show. I'm your host, Green Diva Mech. And there is a theme to this week's show, and I'm going to give you a hint here. Reading a stanza of a poem called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Water, water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. Yeah, you've heard that in, you know, slightly different forms. People don't always get it right. But yeah, water, it's all about water. You know, water is a huge issue, and it's not going to get any easier for those that live in California. They understand what this means. Uh, and people in other places in the world who are really suffering with water shortages and lack of safe, clean water. Next week is UN World Water Day, which is March 22nd. This year's focus is water and jobs. They're focusing on how enough quantity and quality of water can change workers' lives and livelihoods and even transform societies and economies around the globe. This week, uh, we've been participating in the EPA and Water Senses Fix a Leak campaign, Fix a Leak Week which is all about creating awareness of how fixing a simple leak can save gallons of water. Uh, yeah, it seems simple. We just got to do it, folks. So here's what's on the show this week. Uh, the feature this week is with Emily O'Brien. She's the founder of Earth Angel Sustainable Production Services, which is busy greening up the entertainment industry, one TV show and movie at a time. But... You know, and she talks about water and how they conserve water on sets and what they do. Uh, green dude Fred Schruers, he is a Rolling Stone magazine contributor, rock critic, author of Billy Joel, the definitive biography, and happens to be a good friend of my cool cousin Steve, who sadly has left this earthly stage. Um, but Fred. You know, he, he. I saw he did a post on Facebook about uh, the L.A. Times who's calling out some of these Hollywood Beverly Hills water hogs. So he and I riffed about that a bit. Um, and then we rebroadcasting Green Divas What You Can Do. This is one of the series we did about water conservation with Jessica Arinella. She's the creator of the What You Can Do video series. This one focuses on fixing leaks and the crazy stats on how much water is wasted from, like, leaky toilets and stuff. Uh, for instance, did you know that a worn toilet flapper, uh, yeah, I did just say toilet flapper, can waste 200 gallons of water a day? Whoa! All right, sounds silly, flapper, but it's not 200 water gallons of serious stuff, people. We do an inspired Green Diva segment with Priscilla Woolworth. She's the author of Lola, Lots of Love Always. And she talks about what she does to keep her amazing garden growing despite water restrictions in her L.A. area home. So a lot about water and how we can be more aware of how we use water, right? So... Before we launch into the whole show, I just want to put a word out. Let's get social, folks. I really appreciate interacting with you all out there uh, with 
The Green Divas on it's at The Green Divas on Twitter and Instagram and me personally at Green Diva Meg also on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook The Green Divas Radio Show and again Green Diva Meg and I really love hearing from y'all out there and there you have it so listen up get some great ideas share it up and have a great green week I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Think about an ATM, and imagine using the same approach to deposit and withdraw water. Water banking is the storage of surplus water that's available during wet years in an aquifer for later recovery during dry years. That's John Parker, General Manager of the Kern Water Bank Authority in California. The bank serves six members, including several agricultural water districts and the district that provides water to the city of Bakersfield. Making a deposit is pretty simple when there is extra water available. We simply spread the water on the ground in shallow ponds and it infiltrates into the aquifer. Withdrawing the water is also simple. They just pump it out when needed. Parker says the Kern Water Bank can hold more than 450 billion gallons of water. But because the current drought has prevented any new water deposits since 2012, the bank has less than 155 billion gallons left. Parker says it's only enough to last two to three years. Groundwater banking is already common in Arizona. And as the climate warms and droughts become more frequent, other communities are thinking of opening their own water banks. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication, Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective. Well, hi, everyone. This is really an exciting, uh, a, an exciting Green Dude segment for me because Fred Schrewers is like... He's like um, – he's, he's got this mystical uh, semi-god status in my family as one of my coolest cousins, Steve's good friends. And I've always heard about Freddie. Oh, Freddie. And he's so cool. So – and he's also – as a staff, he was a staff writer for the Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine. He's uh, among many things as a professional writer, journalist, uh, rock critic – he did the definitive biography, Billy Joel, the definitive biography. Hey, Fred. Hey, nice to be on with you. Yeah, I, I. so you and I have gotten connected over the last, I don't know how long, through the family things we've never actually met, although we tried. <laughs> yeah. But ironically, you came to the East Coast when I went to the West Coast and was like, okay, we're planes passing in the night. <laughs> um, lucky. Yeah, but so I'm following you on Facebook or we are friends, whatever, you know, on Facebook. And I saw you post something yesterday that really got my attention. Uh, and apparently the LA Times story you were referencing got everybody's attention about this water hog, these water hogs in Beverly Hills. And it really, they called out Amy Poehler. And I was like, oh, damn, I like her. So, yeah. like, you're living out there. So you're living this drought, right? Yeah, I have, you know, a 
40-acre uh, estate in Beverly Hills. No, I made that part up. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I have 40,000 square feet of lawn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, I drive past these places, of course. Often they're behind big green walls, as the Geffen estate is. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole of what David, David Geffen has done right and wrong, but he's yeah. done a lot of good in this world. Yeah. But uh, he's infamous for his Malibu Beach House, which picked many different opportunities to block public access, which in this state is illegal. So he's been fighting it out with his supposed, you know, he's a very good liberal, the big contributor to various Democrats, maybe not Hillary this year. But (laughs) so David Geffen is supposed to be a a thought leader. Yeah. So when you hear... Progressive, yeah. Yeah. So many thousands and thousands of gallons to keep his lawn green one can have a little bit of empathy. I have a very small lawn here in Venice. I get some of that. But, um, yeah, he's a natural target. And Amy Poehler, who we all thought was our friend, <laughs> I once met backstage at a Billy Joel concert, of all things. Yeah. She couldn't have been more delightful, yeah. as we all see. But, you know, people have funny little blind spots, I guess. Well, and... You know, who knows the backstory and what's really going on? I mean, she could be gone on a film set and somebody's managing things, and maybe there's a big leak. I don't know. But Grist this morning had um, a couple of funny speculations about what she could possibly be using all that water because it's like 27,000 gallons of water per month, which at least that was David Geffen, and I think she was right around that. Apparently, the average Los Angeles family uses about 9,000. So I don't know. So they were speculating she either has an elephant pond or a a, a (laughs) pressure washing addiction. I'm like, well, you know, or or a big leak, right? Okay. So I'll be curious to hear what she or her people say about this because she's getting hammered today. Yeah, you need to say something. I think uh, publicists, this is another whole topic, but you need to get on top of these issues, as people say, and admit it. I mean, again, this isn't about Hillary, but when she misspoke and said that Ronald and Nancy Reagan were great friends to the early, the dawn of the uh, AIDS uh, fight, um, that was so wrong that she issued quite a lengthy position paper. So Amy, again... uh, you know, she's beloved, I think. Yes, Her book yes. sold tons of copies. She's a TV star, a movie star. Yeah. So you don't want to lose that constituency. And plus, who wants to be critiqued like that? I think Geffen's got, you know, rhino skin for this stuff. He's been criticized for yeah. years. But for her, it's probably new and unpleasant. And yeah. I hope she's funny about it. I mean, yeah, she... let Tina Fey come on and, and slap her in the head with a... <laughs> I don't know, a water bucket or something. Yeah, maybe there's an SNL skit in the offing. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so I've been talking to people, talked to Ed Begley, Rainbow Mars, and a couple of, you know, your your fellow people out there in in L.A. land um, that are all doing different things to get either get rid of their lawn because, you know, really, uh, when people need water so badly – uh, do we need to? I remember we were out in Del Mar last year during the height of all this stuff, and they were watering, you know, the parks. And I thought, and I kept asking everybody I ran into who lived out there, "Are are you concerned about this?" And they were like, "No, not really." <laughs> no, and down there, 
there's a very good piece that I linked to because uh, I got a little pushback, actually from Melissa Carey, who I consider a remote friend, a hundred years ago uh-huh. when she was divorcing from Jim Carey. Uh, I interviewed her, and you know it was sort of a uh, the raw edges uh, emotionally for her. So you create yeah. a kind of journalist to subject remote friendship, and right. she got in there and said, "Next, though, I won't use the word. Next, they're going to ask how many pieces of paper people used to wipe their." Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I wrote back, I'm afraid, you know, the small government people are going to have to just accept it this time. I'm sorry, if they're surveilling my water use, I don't find that such an invasion of privacy. If she's implying some sort of libertarian concern about it, <laughs> you know, here's what, what's happened is Beverly Hills, after abysmal record, and a record that compared poorly to, say, Rancho Santa Fe, where people are almost equally as rich. Yeah. They're, they're down 26% in January. That's pretty good news. That's near the target. Yep. So these huge exceptions, the 86 people who are beyond the pale, I think need a little wake-up call. And if it, call it shaming if, if someone wants to, but um, I don't really see the harm. So I wonder if this will erupt into a tiny Facebook controversy for me. <laughs> well, I, I did see that... that um... Uh, comment from Missy. I guess I didn't realize who she was, and I, I saw your response. And and there's still things happening. I don't know if you've seen it in the last hour. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot of hits. Yeah, uh, at various places. Um, uh, the rich and famous water wasters. Here's a headline: uh, Quartz. Amy Poehler uses five times as much water as the average family. Uh, yeah, golded. And- yeah. So, so maybe you know. I think you guys out there, we all have to find different ways to live. Period. But you all in the in the drought area, even though you've had some rain, still have to be conscientious about water. Just it's got to change. Um, and you know, uh, there's a lot of things that we were writing about last year. You know, California, I don't know if you knew this, but 75%, according to NPR, 75% of all the designer jeans in the country are made in California. Did you know that? We have the nice butts out here. You've got that's the what butts. that's all about. All the butts <laughs> filling up with, uh, yeah. So, but, but what I didn't know is that 1,800 gallons of water are used per pair. I of, did not know that. I'm like, Shh. That's worse than almonds per yeah, you know, unit yeah, measurement. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you and, know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so those things, you know, just to be mindful of maybe not buying as much so there's less demand, of and of almonds also and walnuts, which are, you know, big agriculture water waster out there. Yeah, there's – California is quite a unique environment. There's – I'm going to go ahead and spell out the name of a website uh, that I – that's a link on my Facebook page, oh, which good. everyone needn't go there. It's an engineering site, and it's called Illumin, I-L-L-U-M-I-N.com, I yes, guess. Yes. And it's called California's Water Crisis by Hannah Gray. It's full of fascinating stats. And we, uh, there's some, a few tiny positives, like California has some large three-quarters of all the underground aquifers, which can be plundered for water, yeah. in the whole nation. That said, 
we are also the agricultural. We're obviously the big food belt yeah. for much of the country and the world. And farming sucks up most. Of, let's face it. David Geffen didn't really make <laughs> us uh, thirsty, though he contributed. Yeah. It's really about all this farming. Yeah. Um, here's here's just one number that kind of made me sit up. Estimates by the U.N. suggested by 2025, humans will use 90% of the available fresh water. And in an area as arid as California, this number could be even higher. So, wow. If, and the follow-up, if all, I won't lecture too long on this, if all <laughs> available fresh water goes to human needs, natural environments and habitats will suffer, yeah. pretty obviously. Yeah. So we're already sucking water out of Colorado, where I just was, and one of the locals complained to me. Yeah. And uh, we're sucking it from Northern California down to Southern California, thus the great movie Chinatown delved into the <laughs> Owens Valley being depleted yes. by, you know, big plutocrats. So it's a true problem. And when people talk to me about, oh, that's big government pushing in, I think... So, Do you want your children to have no water? Yeah, you know? it's it's a big issue. And I always think, like, you know, screw the tar sands pipeline. Why can't we get a pipeline from, you know, New England and the, the mid-Atlantic mid, uh, states over to mm-hmm. California? Because we got plenty of water going on here. Not that yeah. it's all clean. No, but <laughs> it's funny. And then there's the sort of gray water. Like, um, if, you know, you can irrigate with a lot of water people yeah. can't drink and right. that's why they need to save rainwater in california yep. but that's not a solution and desalination or desalinization as some people call it yeah. is not a solution because that's very you know intensive use of resources as well um yeah well, no real solution no but one of the things that could be uh, somewhat of a help is did you realize that some of the water bottling companies um, that sell all over the country are taking up water from California aquifers like Arrowhead, uh, yeah. Dasani. I- I'm just saying Nestle. Where I- I- a couple of these different ones, uh, uh, Aqua. I don't. I can't even read my handwriting. Arrowhead, mm-hmm. Nestle, Dasani. Anyway, I mean, why are they still bottling water in an area of the country that is, you know, on on the on the edge of water disaster? That to me, that's just insanity. Right, and not to sound go all Bernie Sanders, but Fasani, <laughs> of course, is a Coca-Cola yeah. you know, subsidiary. Yeah. Uh, the other one, what's the other one we just named? Uh, Nestle, Nestle or... Oh, you know, they were very busy for many years, you know, starving third world children with uh, <laughs> NAF products. So nobody so, needs their water. No, you, it, but there, as long as it's profitable, yeah. as long as it's kind of free, and... You know, many municipalities, God help us, not Flint, uh, have very potable drinking water. I mean, some people are delighted by New York City water. Um, Well, and and the the other issue is it's really easy to get a a reasonably priced good filter if you don't have perfect water. And, you know, just fill up your own damn water bottle. Absolutely. (laughs) Even the little, you know, uh, tub of water that has a tiny little filter is going to... You know, presumably stop the lead and bacteria and yeah. such things. Uh, we've got one in our house, of course. Most yeah. Californians I know do, and our water's fine. But yeah. uh, I think the awareness, I guess it sort of revolves back to how we began this discussion. I'm yeah. sorry that some celebrities had to kind of take a kick in the butt, but again, highlighting the issue 
You know, Matt Damon, talking to, looking at the oh, flip yeah. side, yeah. he's great on global water. And, of course, in Africa, people, it's tragic. People walk hours with buckets on their head, and uh, yes. nobody's doing anything to fix that except a few good souls like Matt Damon and his, you know, the NGOs and stuff. So, yeah, well, thank God he doesn't have a house that's sucking up water and he didn't get called out in Beverly oh, Hills. That would have been really bad. That would not look good. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, my God. Well, Fred, it's been so much fun speaking with you, and I hope we get a chance to meet, and, and we'll talk again soon on some other fun topic so keep uh, posting all this great stuff thank you it's been my pleasure nice to meet you and we'll, we will meet some more thanks again Megan it's been fun want more information on this green dude segment and other ideas for low stress green living go to thegreendivas.com that's T-H-E greendivas.com worry about the environment or climate change? Don't feel down. Get busy with the Green Divas and the What You Can Do video series for some super easy ways you can get active. And we are back again in the studio with Jessica Aranella from What You Can Do video series. And real quick, we, we didn't mention this last time, but where can people find what you can do and see all these fabulous videos that you do? Well, one of the easiest places to find us is, of course, our website, whatyoucando.com. Ta-da! Yay! We also have a wonderful uh, Facebook community at facebook.com slash whatyoucando. Oh, you what you do. Can do. Yes. You do. I'm, and, I'm always jealous. You've got so many fun fans. We're very lucky. We have a wonderful community. And that is where, if you want to join us for, we like to do fan challenges, so... Because water is my thing, we were able to save, for example, 3,000 gallons of water in our Thanksgiving challenge. See, now, can I just say that I love part of what you do is you quantify. You we know, try to. And, and it, I think it helps people understand that you can make a difference doing one thing or another. When you realize that, you know, turning off that faucet for a few minutes, you know, saves gallons, X amount of gallons. That's math. I'm, I'm falling down here. I think the EPA <laughs> says it's about eight. About eight. Say? Yeah, okay. About eight gallons. Yes. I mean, for us, when we came up with this idea of what you can do in a minute, you know, part of the reason we picked it is it's fun. It's inspiring. But, you know, at a certain point, people start going, uh-huh, what can you do in a minute? So we wanted to combat that feeling. Yeah. yeah, that, you know, you exist in a vacuum. I think many of us have that tendency. I do. And so adding your one minute to my one minute to someone else's one minute, you really can see it add up. And we like to be the place or the hub you where you can see it. You have hours of change. You have hours, <laughs> hours of change. So tell us what we're going to talk about. This is part of the water series that we're doing. Yes. And um, water conservation and water safety and whatever about water. And you are the water queen. Yeah, well, I'm sadly the water become, diva. I am becoming a water diva. I, I like am. It. And again, this year, um, 36 of the 50 states are facing some sort of water sh- shortage this year. Yeah. So uh, there are many, many things. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news being there's many, many things you can do to help save water. And one of the easiest ones is to check for leaks. Ah. Yes. It is estimated that the U.S. loses trillions of gallons of water every year from leaks. Right, from that leaky faucet from or a that leaky, leaky faucet. toilet or whatever. And the EPA estimates that many of these leaks, I believe the statistic is the average household's leaks can account for more than 10,000. Gracie says so. Gracie believes me. Um, and you're right. It's more than 10,000 gallons of water wasted every year. So 
And they're all, and many of those leaks, not all, but many of them include things like worn toilet flappers, dripping faucets, leaking valves, which are easy to correct. Worn toilet flappers. I just, it's a funny phrase, it's right? Fun. Like, I know. I, I immediately just, you know, had this image of a <laughs> 1920s dancer flapper. I, I know. know. Yeah. I know. But I, I think the statistic is a running toilet can waste 200 gallons of water a day. <gasps> Oh, so it is. It you just gotta. Oh, that's you can so painful. It and we painful. have one toilet here. Is it running? That no, it's not. Oh, good. But everyone, if you don't let the the handle sit just right, and I have to drain people. It's upstairs on the third floor, so it's really my husband I'm talking about. Because <laughs> um, not many people go up there. But if it doesn't sit just right, it'll run on and off and on and off. And on and off all day. This is the motivation. See? Oh, man, I'm just in pain now. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. But this is good because it really is putting your attention to these things. If if you can get your attention on the leaks and get them fixed, you will be helping to save these trillions of gallons of water we're losing. You know, and most of the fixes are very simple. My husband actually has taken apart, (laughs) speaking of my husband, many toilets. Uh, I mean, we've been in hotel rooms like, gosh, darn it. And he'll pull it apart and he fixes it. And so, uh, listen, you know, if, if we can fix toilets, you can too. That is, that's the (laughs) message for today. That's the message for today. But I suppose if you live in an apartment building or you have some kind of super, um, you know, you just got to keep on them and say, Hey man, you know. Yeah. It's really, it's important. It makes a huge difference. Um, and just, it's really, it is one quick and easy thing that you can do. Well, thank you, Jessica. And thank you, Gracie, for chiming in. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. There's a lot more coming up. Want more great ideas? Visit whatyoucando.com for hundreds of videos on how you can get active for change. And please go to thegreendivas.com, that's T-H-E, greendivas.com, for tons of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Marketing is often about getting people to buy not what they need, but rather what they think they need, especially when it comes to the number two beverage sold in America, bottled water. More on that after this. Everyone wants to be a part of the green movement, and that's a great thing. Going green takes on a whole new meaning when you add tall grass beef to your family's dinner table. It's tender and juicy, and since the cattle graze on the natural grasslands of Kansas, it's also loaded with essential fatty acids and omega-3s that regular grain-fed beef lacks. It's good for you and your family and good for the earth. For more information and to order tall grass beef online, go to www.tallgrassbeef.com. Soda is the number one consumed drink in America, followed closely by bottled water. But what are you really drinking? A 2010 study asked test subjects to rate the taste of water from a bottle versus water from the tap. The conclusion was that the difference was adding minerals for taste. The reality is that 25% of the bottled water sold comes from municipal sources with flavoring added. The main reason for the cost of bottled water isn't the water. It's the amount of crude oil needed to make the bottles, about 17 million barrels a year. Bottled water, the one time water and oil do mix, because it's highly profitable. I'm Bill Curtis with Earth Matters. There are people in this world that just sparkle. 
with an almost magical and radiant energy, leaving a wake of good stuff wherever they go. We just love meeting and talking with these folks who inspire us to be better, do better. Well, it's been too long since I spoke to this inspiring green diva. Priscilla Woolworth is, among many things, she's the author of a beautiful book called Lola, Lots of Love Always, uh, which which we have. And my daughter was reading it and really into it, but I have not been able to get her to sit in the studio with me to talk about it. I apologize, Priscilla. Oh, that's quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Priscilla's... Uh, you know, and I had the opportunity to meet her finally, which was really fun, and we have to do that again. But Priscilla is a sustainability, a sustainable living expert, um, among other things. She's a gardener. She has a beautiful website, PriscillaWoolworth.com. Uh, she's a great photographer. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. You're so many things, Priscilla. <laughs> Thank you, Meg. <laughs> so today we were going to talk about... You know, on the show we're doing this week, um, we're talking a little bit about water. There's been a lot about water. And then the news from the L.A. Times recently, which has been following these sort of water hogs, calling mm-hmm. out folks. And, you know, we I love Amy Poehler. I think she's really cool, does a lot of great things for women and girls and other stuff. And she's obviously funny. But she got kind of nailed in this article for being a water hog. And... She's, you know, your relative neighbor out there in the West Coast. So I thought maybe you could give us some insight on on what's going on out there <laughs> with water. Yeah, it's 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 really um, a, an interesting situation because it's something that is, you know, affects all of us, um, no matter what neighborhood we live in. Um, I think what's happening uh, in particular with uh, there's sort of a focus very much on on certain areas of Beverly Hills, Bel Air, where um, there are people who have been found to be using more than what the allotted amount is that the city is hoping people will right. will use or cut back. Because I mean, we we are still in a drought. You know, we've had rain recently, but we uh, we're still not out of the drought. So. Um, what happened a few months ago, uh, an investigative journalist um, sort of started this, this, this whole, he, he published a story about uh, there was a sort of a water hog in, in Beverly Hills and, and, and didn't know who it was, and they were using just an absolutely excessive amount of water right. where you know, everybody else in the city was really trying everything possible to cut back. And, um, and so I think, you know, that got a lot of attention. Um, it, apparently, the, the owner of this property wasn't aware of the amount of water they were using. And um, more recently, um, there was a piece that, that came out yesterday in the LA Times right. um, by Matt Stevens that, in fact, now um, the, the, there is more than one uh, user who's using uh, excessive amounts of water. Now, you know, I think in certain cases, I have a feeling these these people are not aware. Right, probably um, not. That they are, you know, going over how much they should be using. A lot of these people don't pay their own bills. They have right. business managers and such who right. handle all their bills, and they may not be 
um, they're just paying the bill. They're right. not looking at like why, <laughs> right. uh, you know, how much they're being fined. So unless it's brought to the attention of the owner uh, personally, then, um, then you know they may not be aware. But you know and, that, that, um, that just screams to the whole case of of awareness, of being conscious of what right. we're using, whether it's water, electricity, mm-hmm. um, whatever resources we have, we have to be conscious of how we're using them, no matter who we are. Oh, right. No, absolutely. You have to be mindful um, of, of, you know, all aspects of your life where, um, you know, at the point it becomes second nature um, from, from, you know, the amount of water you're using to, you know, turning the tap off when you, when you, you know, you're not actively using it to um, even to the amount of uh, food waste that each household is creating, how mm. much um, trash um, we're each creating, and and um, it you know it all adds up, uh, and so um, you now, know wh- no matter what neighborhood you live in, and uh, uh, big houses, small houses, yeah. small lots, big lots, um, everybody needs to be mindful of of you know their actions, and um, you know the water has become really you know the biggest issue because there was this uh, you know everybody needs water, it's it's a, an essential. Necessity, right, so right. Um, not a luxury. Not a luxury, absolutely not a luxury, and so you know everybody uh, needs to to really make an effort and continue. It's not just right. last year; um, it, it's an ongoing a uh, lifestyle change that we all need to just adapt to. So now I know you're a phenomenal gardener. I see your pictures, man, and I'm like, oh, I want to go play in her garden so bad. <laughs> uh, so. Talk to us just a little bit about, you know, I know you're very conscientious about water conservation, among other things, but you said that this is a big issue for you personally. So what are some of the things that you do to, you know, keep your your garden happy and, and your lifestyle moving along while saving water? Well, what I've done is um, to keep my garden going, I've captured, I capture water in different places um, in my home. So, for example, when I take a shower, um, when, the sh- when I first turn the water on, it's really cold, so I keep two buckets in my shower. Now, I have a big enough shower that allows me to actually keep, keep a, you know, uh, two buckets in there. And so those buckets get filled up with the cold water until, of course, it's warm enough for me to, to use it. And then I empty those buckets of perfectly good water yeah. um, on various plants in the uh, in the garden um i also occasionally take a bath i i used to take baths more often but they do require a lot of water so mm-hmm. it's it's now sort of become kind of a luxury um and so when i do take a bath i then have a a sump pump <laughs> that i put in the tub and i pump the water out um, really? and i use that on another part of my garden and and i don't use any you know, I just use the bath to soak, so it's really just, um, you know, just water and no soaps and and, and such. Wow. Um, then in the kitchen, um, I keep a, it's a sort of a kettle that I keep in the sink or next to the sink, and any water from uh, unfinished glasses of water, unfinished um, uh, bottles of water, um, or when I rinse, just rinse vegetables yep. or fruit before I eat them, um, it goes into this kettle, and I'm, I'm empty it several times a day. 
and I just put it on different plants. Some require more water, some very little. Um, so it just really depends. And um, so those are some of the the constant daily uh, um, ways that I save water. Now, when we when it does rain, um, I have water barrels that are under each of my gutter spouts, and I have a rain chain then that that connects from the gutter spout right onto into the water barrel, and, uh, and so they get filled up. Great. And then I empty them little by little. Yeah. Well, and so I've managed to keep the garden going through, you know, we had a brutal, uh, brutally hot um, summer um, this past year and, and into the fall. I mean, it was just, it was really hard because, you know, of course we weren't, you know, allowed to use, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of water, and it was just, you yeah. know, um, really, really hot. So I did lose some uh, some plants, um, and I just basically said whatever ones that can survive with uh, adapt with less water, the water that I give them, then yeah. those and and they have, and now they're really thriving. So hardy plants you have. Hardy there. plants, hardy <laughs> plants, exactly. Um, and I also uh, another area of my garden. I used to have this big lawn. Um, and uh, a few years ago, I just let it die back. And instead of removing the lawn, um, I, a little by little, I just started covering it with the leaves that um, were collected under you know, all the bushes and trees that yeah. you know, invariably over the course of the year um, you know, are dropping. And, uh, and, so, and this, so the lawn has become this sort of wonderful mulch, natural mulch, area to walk that it's actually quite beautiful and smells wonderful as well it's very earthy and especially after it's rained it's really um yeah it's it's fantastic well i know you know i've talked to ed begley about this and rainbow mars and i visited their houses and i've seen all these creative ways people are finding to eliminate lawns that require uh all kinds of water to Mm -hmm. you know whether it's making some kind of succulent thing or right. I, I love your idea that one I haven't really heard yet oh yes no it's it's uh, well it's it's easy it's free yeah. and 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 your whole garden environment benefits because not only am I have I cut back on the use of water because I don't have the lawn to water anymore but the um, I'm also adding less um, garden waste um, yeah. to my bins and the um, as the leaves sort of decompose, they also add beneficial nutrients to the soil that yeah. all the trees and their roots and um, and also the it attracts beneficial insects. So it's 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 a win win all around. Well, I know you're going to share a post that you've probably already done on your site in your almanac or on your blog. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and I can't wait till I get out there again soon, hopefully, to uh, – this time I'm going to come visit you because I really want to see your garden. Oh, lovely. It will come soon. It's, it's so beautiful right now. It's, uh, it's just um, heavenly with all the, the oranges, orange trees, all the citrus trees are blossoming, and the smell is just uh, swoony. Swoon worthy. Swoon worthy. Thanks so much, Priscilla. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. And by the way, people, you can go find out more about Priscilla, her shop, and her book, and all of it at PriscillaWoolworth.com. 
Thank you, Meg. Lovely talking to you. We hope you're feeling the sparkle. Go out there and light up the world. As Dante said, even a little spark may burst a flame. For more inspiration, visit thegreendivas.com and listen for this and other shows on gdgdradio.com. they're doing and I'm really excited to talk to um, Emily O'Brien who is the founder and president of Earth Angel Sustainable Production Services. Yeah, I got that all out there. Hey Emily. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, well I'm busy patting myself on the back because I got it all in. <laughs> but but her production service company is all about making movies without making a mess, which is your tagline. It's very clever tagline. Thank you. So they've been busy on shows like Vinyl, Billions, Madam Secretary, Elementary, uh, and, and in some movies like Spider-Man 2 where you all were touted to be the most eco-friendly blockbuster in Sony Pictures, that, that movie, and you guys were responsible for that, right? That's correct, yes. I think that's so cool. And there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out that you guys worked on, too. That's right. Yeah, we worked on the uh, second unit, the New York portion of that movie. Well, that makes sense, because you are based out here in New York. So tell us what it means to be the sustainability coordinator on a movie or, or television set. Well, first and foremost, I should just start out by saying, um, you know, a lot of audiences are unaware of the fact that the process of making film and television is notoriously extremely wasteful. Right. Um, so, you know, everything from the, you know, fuel burned in the generators to power the sets, the actual, you know, trucks and trailers that require fuel to flying actors to and from Yes. Uh, to just the sheer amounts of waste generated when you have to feed and hydrate crews of, you know, hundreds uh, day after day, not to mention all the sets that are built, um, you know, it really adds up. And um, essentially, uh, Earth Angel came about because we thought, you know what, there's a better way to do this. Um, we should, and, you know, entertainment is an amazing um, industry. And it's very integral to our, our culture, and it's fantastic, but it shouldn't have to be made at the expense of the environment. Right, um, right. And so, essentially, Earth Angel's mission is to integrate a standardized method of environmental accountability throughout the entertainment industry. Um, so we seek to help film sets drive towards zero-waste goals. Okay. Um, we help them actually track their carbon footprint. So that when a show wraps, uh, we can put a number on it and we can say this is how many metric tons of CO2 you're actually responsible for um, wow. through the, the course of making a show. Um, because at the end of the day, it all comes back to you manage what you measure. And yeah. so if we don't have these numbers, um, we can't really start to understand what that impact is and how best to mitigate it. So when you talk about zero waste, you're talking about how the food is taken care of or the waste from food or from makeup or all those various aspects? 
Absolutely. We um, are actually looking at the waste from every single department. Okay. Um, and so each department sort of is its own sector in, in this strange way. So we have to know about textile recycling with a wardrobe department. Wow. And, and non-toxic, you know, detergents. But then we also have to know about FSC certified lumber sourcing for the construction department. And wow. low VOC paint options for the scenic department. Um, so, you know, we leave no stone unturned when it comes to sustainability. Um, we really like to be as um, effective and uh, as instrumental as possible when it comes to looking at the entire footprint of a production. So now uh, some people are probably thinking, is it more expensive to do it this way? And can you speak to, you know, how that how the budgets go? Absolutely, yeah. So um, here's the thing: there's there's certainly a myth out there that being green costs more, right? Um, and that's something we're constantly trying to uh, to bust. And um, what we found is that you know being more sustainable really means being more resourceful. Right. And when a set is run sustainably, it's often run much more efficiently. Yeah. Um, you know, less waste. It translates to savings. Um, the cost to haul waste is pretty high in New York City. Yeah. Um, and so by reducing that, by diverting it, um, it also it costs less to haul recycling than it does normal waste um, because of the fact that haulers get kickbacks from uh, those waste streams. So, huh. you know, between those efforts, between the donation efforts, um, we're actually finding that the more we're keeping out of landfills, the more cost savings that translates into for the production. So, so do, do you all uh, compost generally? And where does it go do. in New York? We do. Um, we do uh, industrial composting. So in addition to all the food scraps that we compost you know, ordinarily, we also have completely compostable dishware. Um, so all of our plates and cups and cutlery, et cetera, is all plant-based um, and certified compostable. And we use a compost facility uh, near Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, it's called Greenway Environmental Services. Mm-hmm. Um, they're incredible. They're a fantastic facility. Um, and they're pretty much the only um, industrial composting facility in the tri-state area currently. Um, because that is a huge issue about people who want to compost but lack the uh, yeah. infrastructure to do so. Yeah. Um, so we're very fortunate that we have them. Oh, that's great. Okay, yeah. so um, are you generally just consulting to the production team and you're not really on set, or have you had you know times when you're on the set during uh, production? Well, I started out on set. I was, um, this is how Earth Angel came to be, was I was, uh, you know, put on the set as the, quote, environmental steward was what we were calling the position at the time, uh-huh. which essentially translated into um, I was the one sorting the garbage all day long <laughs> on the set. Um, and I have to say, while, uh, you know, learning what people throw away yeah. is uh, a really effective tool, yeah. um, learning what's being wasted and knowing how best you can uh, utilize resources but when people started to see me do this, all of a sudden, you know, actually elbow deep in the garbage every day, they, <laughs> a, a sort of light bulb went off when they were like, oh, you know, it, it matters where yeah. this goes. Right. It, I should pay attention to this. 
I should be educated. And so a lot of what we do is actually education-based. How how can we make it easy for the crew to do the right thing? Because right. Um, as soon as it slows down that camera rolling, people want nothing to do with it. Um, but effectively integrating into the rhythm of the production right. has been a really, really um, useful tool for us. It's really what's made us stand apart. Um, and now what, what the system is, is um, I tend to supervise while we hire our eco-production assistants. We have one staff on every single one of our shows, um, and they are the onset boots on the ground, you know, eco-monitors, um, and then we're more, I'm, I'm more behind the scenes doing the data analysis um, and that sort of thing. So tell me, come on, Dish, you must have been on a set where there was some interesting commentary from, let's say, one of the, you know, the talent, the stars. Anything? Yeah, well, well, you, do you mean interesting and good or bad? <laughs> Either way, whatever you want to dish, girl. Um, well, you know, we get we get a fair amount of commentary on on both sides. You know, I've worked with uh, actors who are extremely um, passionate environmentalists and are actually very very appreciative of the work we do. Yeah. Um, you know, Olivia Wilde was like that on vinyl. She was yep. just over over the moon about the fact that our set had no plastic water bottles. She oh was man. Ecstatic. Um and then even the filmmakers themselves, like Darren Aronofsky, who we had the pleasure of working with on Noah, um, you know, he was just an an amazing advocate. You know, he yep. recognized that they were making a film about the first steward of the earth and to not take care of the earth in the process of making that film is a little <laughs> yeah. hypocritical. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's been really instrumental too. But on the other hand, you know, we have gotten a lot of resistance. Um, and, you know, it, when it comes to sustainability, behavioral change is the hardest, you know, yeah. the hardest battle that we have. And when you work in an industry that, you know, people work 12, 14, 16 hours a day for months, great in all types of conditions you know it's, it's nobody wants to put any extra burden or strain right. on the crew yeah. um and that's why making it easy and and effective and integrative is is you know the, the key to our success now what about water you mentioned water bottles i've seen that there are water boxes and all kinds of different things than plastic but what about water waste in general on a set what what happens to the water that's a very good question. Um, so on a standard set, you know, they order your single-serve plastic water bottles, and uh, someone takes a few sips out of it. They leave it. They walk away. Yeah. Um, and then they pick up another one 15 minutes later to do the same thing. And so what happens is you have hundreds of these plastic water bottles strewn about that are more often than not not recycled. Um, and the water itself is getting wasted, not right. to mention all, all the petroleum that goes into making the plastic. Right, so right, it's, right. It's, it's a really, really, you know, archaic system at this point. And so what we've now done is um, we use uh, five-gallon reusable BPA-free jugs. Um, we source locally um, from a local water source. And, you know, when those jugs are not emptied, the tap goes back on them and they get used the next day. Yeah. Um, so we're really, really proactive about limiting the amount of water that's wasted, but there are, you know, there is a lot of 
instances where, you know, there's a water truck order because we're shooting a, a night scene right. and, you know, the director wants that street slicked down and, and for that uh, light to reflect off a, a wet street yeah. is important for the scene. So, you know, there's there's definitely some ways when it comes to that. I mean, talk about Noah. We we have to make it rain, literally, for <laughs> All like the time. two months yeah. straight. Yeah. Um, luckily, we created a runoff system where we were able to recycle a lot of that oh, um, water as well, which was good. Um, but yeah, water water's a huge concern um, environmentally right now, and, and especially in our industry. Well, I think it's really exciting that... Um, that the industry is interested enough to create basically a, a sub-industry in what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very slow moving process. You know, I worked on my first film set as an environmental steward in 2011 uh, and I launched Earth Angel in late 2014. Yeah. And um, it is, it's a challenge. Um, it really is. I mean, the industry itself is, uh, what I like to say, very progressive in its content, yeah. um, right. but really is trailing when it comes to its practice. And, you know, we see this in, when it comes to issues of uh, equality, but in front of and, and behind the camera. Yeah. And, um, you know, we see this in, in issues of safety on set. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard for us to change our ways and, and change our habits. And there are a lot of barriers in place. Every single studio has its own particular policy and take on sustainability. So there isn't really a uniform integrated Standard. method, yeah. which is really challenging for crew members who are always bouncing around between different studio productions. Right, right. So well, we, we try to be that glue um, to make it as easy as possible for everyone to get on board. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit like the fashion industry, which has traditionally also been like the poster child for bad environmental behavior. And they're working hard over the last 10 years to try to shift gears and, and make it a less negative, impactful uh, industry. So anyway, I'm very excited about what you're doing. And I know here in New York, you also do a fun event uh, with Earth Hour. You want to tell me about that? Absolutely, yeah. This uh, this Saturday, March 19th, is going to be our second annual Earth Angel Hour. Um, Earth Hour, of course, is the World Wildlife Fund's uh, annual global lights-off um, sort of grassroots movement where thousands of cities uh, turn off their lights for an hour uh, for the sake of climate awareness and climate action. Um, and in New York, we didn't really have a organized Earth Hour event. Like, yes, the Empire State Building goes dark, and yes, parts of Times Square go dark, but there yeah. was nothing for New Yorkers to kind of rally around and come together and celebrate. Yeah. So we decided that we would start that initiative. Um, and, and we had our first annual Earth Angel Hour last year, and it was fantastic. We had a blast. Um, it's celebration of Earth Hour, and it's also a celebration of all the achievements in sustainable entertainment. Um, so it's really a fun, fun way for everybody to come together, um, raise awareness, raise funds for World Wildlife Fund, um, and have a good time. 
it's brilliant, and I'm hoping to get there this weekend. Uh, Great. So We'd love to have you. I hope to meet you. Uh, but at any rate, anybody in the New York area that wants a cool Earth Hour party, I would go to this place. And where is it going to be? It's at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. Oh, how cool. Um, yeah, it's a fun, fun event. We're going to have live music. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be amazing raffle prizes, um, some special guests. It's, it's going to be a very good time, and um, tickets are actually available on the Knitting Factory website itself. So if you go to bk.knittingfactory.com, um, the, on the calendar for March 19th is where the event is listed. All right. Well, thanks again for all you're doing to green up our entertainment, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Meg. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Green Divas Radio Show. Listen to the latest Green Divas shows every day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on GDGD Radio at gdgdradio.com or get the GDGD Radio app for free or access our huge catalog of podcasts on demand on your favorite podcast network, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and of course, along with all kinds of great posts about living a deeper shade of green on thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Thank you.